0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is
1: Believe. You're listening to Eagles Unfiltered. B A T L E S Eagles! This podcast is
0: powered by Eagle Maven of Sports Illustrated.
1: Third down and one. I did First, First down and a touchdown. Here are your hosts, Ed Kraz and Connor Miles.
0: Thank you guys once again for tuning in to another episode of Eagles Unfiltered, powered by Believe Podcast Network and sponsored by BetOnline.ag, the best sports betting website around. Remember, the NFL season is raging on. Basketball is here as well. Hockey is available too. Make sure you go to BetOnline.ag using promo code Believe, B-L-E-A-V. Match your initial deposit up to 50%. B-L-E-A-V promo code. BetterHelp.com is also a sponsor of the show. If you go to betterhelp.com slash Eagles E-A-G-O-B-S Eagles, you'll get 10% off your first month of mental health therapy. Take care of yourself, just like we want you to at Eagles Unfiltered. Co-host Connor Miles here, my co-host Ed Crass as always. Ed, you were really close on your score prediction for that Dallas Eagles game. You said 27-23, end up being 28-23. Wow. Man, You're man. dead on. I forgot about that. <laughs> you, had good, you had some good feelings about that game, and you were ended up being right. Now the biggest concern from this game is the injuries that the Eagles suffered to yeah. Dallas Goddard and Nicobe Dean, uh, yeah. two two guys you look at as main – well, Goddard really is a huge part of the offense, and N'Kobe Dean you hope to be your starter long-term at linebacker going forward. One, one loss is, you know, Goddard, they seem to always plan for this injury, or they seem to at least plan for this injury, I should say, because when we talked in the beginning of the season when they traded for Alberto said, yeah, this is pretty much the insurance when Dallas Goddard gets injured. Because we were already anticipating he's going to get injured. The unfortunate for Dallas Goddard is, that injury he suffered was not his fault at all. Mm-mm. That was a complete freak accident, that that tackle. I mean, you no, know, and Ed, I, I don't know if you played football. I play Pop mourner. When you get stiff-armed, even in high school, even a high school football level, when you get stiff-armed, it's disrespectful. <laughs> it <laughs> gets you mad. You get agitated, that like somebody's stiff-arming you in the face, holding your face back while you're trying to bring them down. It just makes you enraged. And Marquise Bell there got enraged. He took that personal, and he took him down by the arm. Now, say what you will, it was it dirty? Technically, no. Technically, no, it wasn't. Because you're getting stiff arm. that's the only way you can bring him down is you grab him by the arm. But dang man, he ripped his arm off. <laughs> he, he gave it to him tough on that tackle. So... It's an unfortunate thing for Goddard that these injuries keep popping up for him, but half of them, you're like, wow, these are freak injuries. <laughs> he has no way of avoiding these injuries from happening.
1: Yeah. Last year in Chicago, he got face masked to the ground and uh, had a shoulder injury, missed five games. The Eagles went 5-0 and in those games that he missed. Uh, this year, he's probably going to miss, you know, at least four, I would think. Fractured forearm, you need your arm to catch. And uh it was a fluke. I mean, you're right. He was stiff arm. And I mean, listen, I don't know Marquise Bell. I don't know what kind of person he is, but I don't think he was trying to maliciously hurt Dallas Goddard. I think when you're trying to make a tackle in a, in a bang, bang moment, you're just trying to get a guy down no matter how you do it. Um, And that's what happened. You know, he kind of twisted the arm and he landed on it. I don't think he was in his mind thinking, all right, I'm going to break his arm here. Uh, I just think it was a freak thing. And, uh, you know, it happens and it's happened to Goddard the last two seasons, and now the Eagles have to move on without him, and uh, we'll see how they do that.
0: Do you believe they do it in house?
1: Well, you know, you mentioned Albert O, um, and I'm still learning how to spell his last name. I'm kind of copying and pasting it because it's just such a tough name to spell, yet alone say. But you know, Albert O can't block, he can catch Jack Stoll, can't catch, but he can block. Uh, you know, I'm surprised. I don't know if Tyrese Jackson is still out there somewhere that they could bring him on board, maybe, um, or that they feel like they have enough. Uh, you know, because to make up for it at receiver, you have Julio Jones, you know, his role increase. I mean, we haven't seen much of a role for uh Alameday Zacchaeus. You know, maybe you play your receivers a little more, maybe you get your running backs a little bit more involved in the in the passing game. But um, they were able to do it last year, you know, they were able to move on without Dallas Goddard uh but another factor this year is Grant Calcaterra you know he's got a concussion that he's dealing with and we all know that back in college Grant Calcaterra retired briefly from football uh because of too many concussions so no pun intended you don't know where his head's at in terms of if he's going to keep playing and if he's going to come back from this concussion to play the Chiefs next Monday night. I, I don't know. But if he doesn't, you have two tight ends now on the 53. You have EJ Jenkins on the practice squad who they signed. He's a former wide receiver in college. Been to three colleges, started his career at little tiny St. Francis of Pennsylvania, then moved on to South Carolina and then on to Georgia Tech. You know, can he play tight end? I mean, he's to me, he's still probably learning how to do that. So pretty shorthanded at tight end this time around. Uh, with Goddard going out.
0: Tyree Jackson is actually a good point. He's on the Giants practice squad right now. It wouldn't really harm the Eagles to sign him off their practice squad, but that means they have to free up a
1: roster spot, which is also a log jam. And then they have to keep him on the roster for three games, I think it is, maybe four. I think it's three. So you can't just sign him and then cut them a week later. You're going to have to keep them there. And do the Eagles want to do that? I don't know. I mean, I'm a little surprised if they were going to do anything, that they didn't do it, you know, this past week when they had off, you know, now here we are, they're going to return to practice. I think Thursday is when the next availability is for the Eagles. Um, so you have a few days here in the beginning of the week. I would think if you're going to make a move like that, you're going to do it, you know, over the next 72 hours, uh, three days here to to do something. Um, but we'll see. I mean, again, I'm a little surprised that they were going to do it. Why not do it earlier in this week during the bye? Because then you can kind of get somebody up to speed, but they didn't do it.
0: It took a while for this offense to really implement Dallas Goddard into it, and now right when he's starting to get hot and heating up is when he goes down. Of course, how do you think this offense overcomes his injury? I know you stated last uh, previously right now that the Eagles are five and zero last time he was out. Do you think they can overcome this?
1: Schedule's a little bit more difficult. Um, you know, I'm not sure that they can go five and zero again just because the competition's stiffer um and you know you don't have calcaterra i know calcaterra stepped in a little bit last year too to help but you know sirianni said there are other ways to to make up for it and he mentioned the receiver packages the running back packages so you know they could choose to go that direction maybe feed the ball to stole three times a game again not a big pass threat but you know maybe albert o does step up and they target him four or five times a game we'll see he can catch um, you know, maybe he'll be effective in, you know, some 12 personnel with him and Stoll on the field. You leave Stoll in maybe to block a little bit and you send Albert O out into a pattern because, you know, Albert O can catch. Um, There's no doubt he can get open. So we'll see if the Eagles decide to go that way with him.
0: I would imagine they would because, I mean, you know, you and I said it at the beginning of the season when they made this trade and everybody's like, why are they doing this trade? And we're just like, well, it's insurance for Dallas Goddard when he goes down because it's, you know, it just always happens. And now the time has come. You would think you would want to see the return on the investment.
1: Yeah, it wasn't that big of an investment. You know, I kind of screwed up. I tweeted out that the Eagles gave up a fourth round pick for him. I was wrong. He was a fourth round pick of the Broncos, but the Eagles only gave up, I think, a sixth rounder and they got back a seventh and Albert O. So it's it's not that big of an investment. Um, but yeah, they brought him in for a reason. They liked a skill set that he possessed. And now it's time to see if they're you know ready to take the wraps off and see what he can do.
0: Brought him in for a reason and been carrying four tight ends for a reason. So, I mean, I know Kakatera is out now at this point, but if you felt so compelled to keep Alberto on this roster for so long when you've had log jams at other positions, we need to see why. I mean, right. that's that's my opinion on that. We need to see exactly why you, what you thought, what you see in practice. Like, like Nick Sirianni always says, anytime you guys question a player, to him during his press conferences, he tells you guys straight up, what we see at practice is not what everybody sees. So, clearly, they see something in Alberto to make him stay on that, even if he's been inactive. He's still taking up that part of the 53-man roster, which the Eagles have had struggles with all season long, filling holes at that roster when they have injuries. So he stayed there for a reason. Let's see that reason. That's what I'm on board with right now. And, you know, you're talking about this wide receiver, you know, implementing more wide receiver packages. If anything, this could just open up more targets for Julio. Hey, Julio, you know, you've got the first couple of weeks underneath now. You're picking up the playbook a little bit more. You had that nice touchdown versus Washington. Let's increase this role a little bit more while Dallas Goddard's out. Let's let you be... You know the third, fourth option in this offense right now because that's really all we have.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree. I mean, and Grant Kakitera is kind of the the linchpin here. Is he going to come back? I mean, if he does, then you know the problem kind of solves itself. Uh, a very good receiving tight end if they use him right. I mean, he's caught some big passes, not not many of them, but you know, when given the opportunity, he he seems to be able to get open. And they can get him the football. Um, but you know. He's kind of the linchpin. We'll see if he's healthy. We'll see what kind of week uh, he has uh, when the Eagles get back from by. And if he's ready to return, I, I, I have no idea if he's ready to continue playing or if he's even healthy to get out there and give it another try yet.
0: I was going to say the whole situation around Grant Taylor is like incredibly mum. That's kind of alarming and surprising in Philadelphia where news is so hard to hide mm-hmm. from the media. I mean, yeah. something always comes out. I mean, either Derek Gunn's on it or Jeff clean's on it right away or, or Ian Rappaport or Adam Schefter on it. I know that Grant Calcaterra is not the type to get national headlines, but, I mean, he's having a concussion problem. The NFL loves looking into these concussion issues and making stories out of these concussion stories and not hiring a peep about Calcaterra after this concussion. I, to me, that seems like, you know, I know you would IR him by now if, if the worry is that he's done for the year, but playing it play week by week and missing this much time, that's a little alarming to me.
1: Yeah, yeah no doubt. Um yeah, you, you don't know. And, of course, like I said, you know, he had the concussion issues in college. So, you know, we'll see where he is. He's a bright guy. You know, we'll see if he's willing to risk coming back.
0: And Nicobe Dean. I mean, yeah. it, the the injuries are probably – I know – how do I put this? He wasn't injury prone in college, but he had medicals that scared NFL teams away from him that dropped him to the third round for a reason, and now they're showing in, the, in, in light in his football career already. I mean – second sit on IR. What's tough for him is the guy is great in run recognition. The guy has incredible linebacker instincts. He does. He is such a liability in coverage, Ed. I don't know if that's just, you know, him trying to get his footing in the NFL, him trying to adjust to the game. I mean, he's a first-year starter, so it's hard to be so tough on him. But, I mean, he's, you know, shout out to our friend of the show, Anthony DeBana. He, he put out these, these stats comparing... What Nate Gary did in coverage versus what N'Kobe Dean has done in coverage. When Nick Gary was a starter for the Eagles, and Nate Gary was better in coverage than Nakobe Dean had. Slightly better. Not alarmingly better. Not noticeably better. Slightly better, but it's still to the point where you're like, man, I this team was noticeably improved that linebacker when it was Nicholas Morrow and Zach Cunningham as a duo instead of, you know, forcing Nicobe Dean in on some plays and taking Nick Morrow off the field. Is this addition by subtraction at this point?
1: Yeah. You know, listen, the uh, Dean played a lot of snaps at the university of Georgia in three years. I'm not sure he missed many snaps at all. So there's a lot of wear and tear uh, on that body at five foot 11, 228 pounds, whatever it is. So, you know, maybe that's why we're seeing it break down a little. I think both issues have been the foot. Uh, maybe it didn't heal completely, the first foot injury. And now here we are. He gets a Liss Frank sprain. And probably, you know, those things take four to six weeks. So, um, you know, maybe we see him come back at the end of the season. But right now, yeah, Nick Morrow and Zach Cunningham have been playing pretty well. And, you know, Nicobe Dean isn't the only one who struggled in coverage. I mean, I don't think that they're very good at all at the linebacker spot in covering tight ends. And Jake Ferguson had a huge day against them uh, from the Cowboys. And now you got to face Travis Kelsey. So, you know, good luck with that. Sean Desai is going to have to come up with some kind of scheme uh, to, to kind of try to clamp down on him a little bit, if you can. Um, So Nate Gary was a converted safety. So he probably has more pass coverage experience. Maybe that's why he's better in coverage because he played safety at Nebraska and then transition to linebacker. Nakobe Dean has just been a linebacker, so he doesn't have as much pass coverage experience. Um, you know, you hope, listen, you still have him signed for two more years, right? Four-year deal on a rookie contract. Uh, so far, these two years have kind of been a washout so far. Now, he might come back and he might do some some good things, but haven't gotten much from him. He's played special teams, has played them pretty well. But you wanted more, obviously. The Eagles were expecting him to step into this defense and be your captain in the middle of that defense for 17 games plus. They were spoiled last year when T.J. Edwards and Kaiser White were able to stay healthy uh, for the 17 games and into the playoffs. That that was terrific. They did a great job. The Eagles really missed that um, because now you have two kind of free agent guys out there that uh, don't have the kind of pedigree that you would hope. And to me, the Eagles have to do something. To make that position stronger. And what can you do now? I mean, not a whole lot. I don't think. I don't know what's out there on the scrap heap uh, to make that position stronger. But in the offseason, they're they're gonna have to invest some resources in that spot because you know, uh, you just can't keep giving up soft spots over the middle of your defense in the passing game uh and succeed. It's just not the way you're supposed to play football. So, you know, right now it's a problem, not having Dean. I'm not ready to give up on him. You might be fans might be, but I, you know, listen, he's still a young kid, played a lot of football. Maybe some t- downtime will help. Uh, And it's just a fluke. You know, Jordan Hicks, remember Jordan Hicks? He hit the guy tore ligaments in his hand on his honeymoon. He couldn't stay healthy in Philadelphia. The Eagles give up on him and he goes away and he hasn't missed really a game since he left town. So, you know, you kind of have to let this contract play out, give him his four years, see what he can do. And, you know, hopefully this, this is just a fluke and he, goes on these next two years and, you know, stays injury-free. We'll, we'll see. I'm I'm not convinced, but I'm not ready to give up on him either.
0: The Nick Sirianni era of Philadelphia Eagles has taught us one thing, and we might have not all learned that lesson, myself included, yet, but the lesson is patience. Mm-hmm. This whole thing has been patience with this team. Everything has gotten better over time when given patience under the Nick Sirianni era. So to be fair, the Kobe Dean does deserve patience. It was a first year starter in the NFL this year. It was, you know, it wasn't pretty, wasn't beautiful. He's been injured. He's been banged up. But well, you're right. He has two years left on his contract. Give him a chance. He's on a rookie deal. He's not hindering the Eagles at all, just being there. So right. But he was such a liability on the field this season that I to, when he was taken out and Nick Morris put it in. I said, Well, you know, this might actually be better for the linebacking core because they kept rotating. You know, when Nicobe came back from injury, they kept saying, All right, we'll put Morrow on situational basis now. Instead of just having Morrow and Cunningham running like they were. And, you know, I, I know that these linebackers aren't perfect, in, not even close to being perfect in coverage. They're actually among the league's worst. But I think you had to add some context to that, just like you had to add some context in Kobe Dean. Is Zach Cunningham doesn't go off the field. Right. He, he doesn't come off the field at all. He's on there every single snap. And I mean, you have to factor that into his struggling in coverage is the fact that he's being asked to do so much. Look, this guy, it's so funny to me that they, trademarked this Justin Pugh straight off the couch thing because Justin Pugh had one good game. You know who was really straight off the couch? Zach Cunningham. They're literally at the end of training camp and they finally look at themselves in the mirror and they say, you know, maybe we should have propped back Kaiser White who signed that two-year cheap deal and is actually looking like one of the best defensive players on Arizona's defense right now. Maybe we should have matched that deal. You know, everybody's talking about we're going to miss so T.J. Johnson, they're talking about they're going to miss Javon Hargrave. No, we actually really miss Kaiser White actually the most because that's that's what I see out there. I know T.J. Edwards is great and everything, but the Eagles are never going to pay T.J. Edwards what Chicago gave him. But they could have definitely matched what Arizona gave Kaiser White for sure. And he's been a very, very, very underrated player. And he was a very underrated player on that Eagles Super Bowl team. They miss him a lot. But I will say his replacement in Zach Cunningham, you could do a lot worse. You could do a lot worse, especially for a guy that was so late into training camp being added to this roster and being asked to be, Hey, you know, you were here for a week, 10 days. Really? You look really good compared to what we have. We have nothing. <laughs> so yeah. we're going to go ahead and make you a full-time starter. And we're not going to ask you to miss a single snap. I mean, you have to add context to that too. He's, he hasn't played in Sean size scheme before he's played in some very illustrious schemes with Mike Vabral in Tennessee and, and Romeo Cornell and Houston, of course, but, this is still a new scheme for him. This is all chemistry on defense is so vital. And every Eagles fan is learning that right now with all the changes that they made on defense and the struggles that they've gone through. But the Ben and don't break is still there. And I think Zach Cunningham is a perfect example of Ben, but don't break. Cause you're right. Ferguson did have a game, but there was a time where Ferguson had a, a very crucial drop on that third down. And you want to know why he had that drop, Ed? Cause Zach Cunningham came in there and made contact and broke it up. Mm-hmm. And he did get burnt by Tony Pollard once. But then he came back and fixed that problem and corrected again and was better against recognizing the run stopping Tolian Pollard going forward. So I think, if anything, my hat's off this season are to Zach Cunningham on that defense. You know, we literally asked you to come off the couch and be our best linebacker on the team. And it hasn't been pretty. It hasn't been beautiful. You're not an elite player by any means. Above average is actually pushing it a little bit. But still, given the context of the situation, what we asked you to be, I think you've been great for us this year. And I really thank you, Zach Cunningham, for your service.
1: And and don't forget, I mean, when they signed him, he was kind of like the unheralded of the two linebackers they signed. Miles Jack was the one everybody got excited about because everybody knows Miles Jack, you know, he had that pedigree. And it's a shame his heart wasn't into playing football anymore. He lost the passion for it and he retired. And uh, and now Zach Cunningham, you know, kind of rose to the to the top. And, you know, but he wasn't everybody was like, Oh, Miles Jack, that's great. No, the other guy, yeah, he might be good too. And now Zach Cunningham has shown that he, yeah, he fits just fine with what Sean Desai wants to do. Now Cunningham will be the first to tell you that coverage isn't his strength. You know, he's not a coverage linebacker, Um, but he's doing an okay job. Like you said, he's given up stuff, but he's come back, he battles and he makes the next play when it's available. So, you know, you do have to give him a a heck of a lot of credit. Um, You know, he's playing, he really had a really good game against Dallas um, when you go back and you watch it, Um, you know, very impressive game. And you, you know, you hope he can carry it forward because, Now you're down to just really two guys. If one of those get hurt, you have Christian Ellis, who, yeah, he was a good summer story. You thought maybe he'd have a role, but that really hasn't developed. He's good on special teams. And I know they've been getting a look at Patrick Johnson as an outside linebacker, you know, kind of an edge guy. Everybody thought he'd be an edge guy, but, you know, maybe that will be his role. Maybe he will become one of those players who can fill in for a few snaps if need be. But if you lose one of those guys, Morrow or Cunningham to an injury, it's going to get really interesting to see what they do.
0: I will say one thing. The Eagles always unexpectedly don't know that they have a good linebacker in their midst. They hey. they always seem to like, – T.J. Edwards, they overlooked for so long. And then Eric Wilson played so poorly bad that they finally said, all right, got to do something here. We, let's just put T.J. in and see how it goes. And then it went beautiful. So am i am not writing off Christian Ellis yet? Because I I have have been on record saying I think he has the chance of being the next T.J. Edwards for this team, but you're right. I mean, they don't trust him to put in those in those situations now with all the injuries that they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, can they really expect to do so if some if Cunningham and Morrow goes down? I don't know. I, I've been looking at practice squads around the league to see if there's a guy out there that the Eagles could potentially steal. And I do recall when Michael Walker of the Falcons was waived, the linebacker for the Falcons was waived. I believe, I could be incorrect, but I believe I remember the Eagles being among the names that put in a waiver claim for him. They just were obviously weren't awarded him because he went to the Bears originally, and the Bears were the first priority. Now, since then, he's on the Pittsburgh Steelers practice squad. That's a guy I think that they might look into if they do decide to to poach a practice squad linebacker, because I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think this Ben Van Summer guy is what what you want to do each week going into these games is keep elevating him and using all his elevations and then... Having to either decide to bring him on the roster or completely wave him. Um, I I think they're gonna look around for linebacker. I don't think they're gonna look around for tight end like everybody else thinks. Cause it's funny. You hear hear, well, how he's gotta reach out to Gronk and see if he wants to come out of retirement now after this current got an injury. That's just not gonna happen. I yeah, I know I Julio Julio was like an anomaly. You know, you and I would have said the same thing. Julio's not gonna happen either. And look what happened. But uh Gronk has been on record multiple times saying he's not gonna play anymore. He's done. So that that one's actually not gonna happen. But I think if they're going to make an outside addition to bring into this team, I think it's going to be linebackers. So I have my eye on Michael Walker. Let's see how that goes with Steelers. We've already poached one player off the Steelers practice squad. Let's see if we do another one now.
1: Right, right, right. Big, uh, that, yeah. And again, you have to be careful when you're adding from practice squads. The Eagles already have guys that they're probably going to need to make room for coming off IR. And I think they have two roster openings that they can put Cam Jurgens in. I Uh, they haven't put Goddard on IR yet. Um, but if they do, um, and I don't think Dean's officially been placed on IR either. But if those two go on IR, then you have two openings. Cam comes in and fills one. And then you have to worry about when you poach a guy, are you going to keep him for three games? You know, you still have Quez Watkins on the IR. Maybe he comes back. You still have Justin Evans on the IR. Maybe he comes back. So you have to be careful adding guys from practice squads. Um, Ben Van Sumer, and it was interesting. They, elevated him for the first time for special teams got 10 snaps I I didn't notice him a whole lot but you know maybe they're trying to kind of build him up a little bit just in case they might need him I know it would be kind of a you know real reach to get him snaps I mean but I think they think of him as like a T.J. Edwards remember T.J. Edwards came onto this team in 2019 as an undrafted free agent from Wisconsin and didn't have much of a role, played special teams, really started working his way up from there, got better, got a taste of the NFL game, and really built himself into a terrific NFL linebacker. So I think that's kind of what they're hoping that the same track is that Ben Van Sumeren takes. Um, We'll see. I mean, I'm not sure he's the answer, but, you know, they're pretty hard up at linebacker, and it's all hands on deck. And, again, like I said, Patrick Johnson could be a guy to keep an eye on there. He might get some snaps at the outside backer spot.
0: What have been your initial thoughts on Kevin Bayard so far, two games in?
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's, to me, it's been average, you know, maybe a little above, you know, I wouldn't maybe be minus C plus. I mean, he hasn't come in and really, you know, set the world on fire, but I think he has helped stabilize that secondary a little bit. He's still learning, uh, you know, the Eagles way, so to speak, and the scheme and all that stuff. And um, I only expect him to get better once he has more uh, work at it, but, you know, he hasn't You know, I'd like to see him make a few more plays, to be honest. I'd like to see him get an interception or two. Um, Blankenship has been fantastic, but it's good to have that stability. If Blankenship can stay healthy. Him and Bayard can grow together on that back end. And that's something that all season long has been an issue. They've shuffled guys in and out at that safety spot because of injury or ineffectiveness. So, you know, I'm I'm not giving up on Bayard by any means. He's got a great track record, but I'd like to see a little bit more from him
0: i think we all would at this point but because i mean even even pro football focus has had him very average grades yeah. uh, lately on these last two games with the eagles but the one thing that's always the main thing in the secondary is chemistry and they clearly don't have it right now hopefully this time these two games in this time with the bye week they're able to build it up a little bit more because that's that's really the problem i think i don't think kevin bayard the the player himself is the problem i think it's just adjusting to the scheme and getting chemistry down with the secondary. That's Still fairly new to adjusting to each other. You know, Reed's still making his first year as a starter. He's missed some games with injury. Kevin Myards just got here. And Bradbury and Slay have been, you know, the old men of the secondary this season, just trying to keep things afloat when everything's falling around, around them. So, falling mm-hmm. down around them. So, I mean, I, I give it time. I think this secondary is going to hit its peak at the right time in the season, though. I know it's not perfect right now. James Bradbury's is not playing the football that you expected to when you brought him back on that deal. Well, once Bradley Roby comes back, I think that's the huge thing. He's he said himself he's gonna be ready to come back after this bye. He said on on Twitter. Hopefully that ends up being the case. But once Bradley Roby comes back and he had that experience in the slot, a guy who knows how to play the position, the guy who's been there before, the guy who's been a part of championship caliber teams, and they get that chemistry and that unison, uh, four weeks into the end of the season, I think they're gonna be fine.
1: Yeah, you hope so. I mean, because that's really what it is. It's just been too much of a revolving door back there, you know, at positions where you need communication. And, uh, you know, I and I credit Sean Desai. I mean, I think he's and his staff. I mean, I think they're doing what they can to get these guys ready to play and they're trusting them to go out there. And the good thing is, is a lot of these young guys are getting baptism under fire. It's only going to serve them well as their careers go on. You know, we're, we're, they're getting this experience. And they're doing, you know, as well as can be expected, in my opinion. I mean, they're winning games with with these rookies. Um, so that that bodes well for the future, in my opinion, getting this experience now. But, yeah, you want to see that that back end stabilize a little bit more. You want to see more guys just answering the bell week in and week out, playing together more. And you hope that they are able to do that over these last, what, eight games. Uh, yeah, I got asked this this week by, by somebody, and I
0: – I was like, you know, it's an interesting question, but I I, I kind of also get it at the same time because Eagles always have plans for players and they follow through with these plans. And Keely Ringo is clearly a part of this long term plan of let's not rush him out there and destroy his confidence because he's not really ready yet. But it's funny that, you know, an undrafted free agent, Eli Rich, can come off the street and the Eagles can ask him to be technically a starter for this team. And yet Keely Ringo, they're saying, you know, we're going to. We know we invested a fourth-round pick into you. We're going to keep you on the side. We're going to let you develop. We're going to let you play special teams, and we'll see, we'll go from there. Uh, but it's it's funny to me how much trust Eli Ricks has earned, and I know everybody looks at next year and they say, Isaiah Rogers Sr. is on this roster. He's going to be the nickel going forward no matter what. But I don't think it's that set in stone, especially with this this trust and love that they have for Eli Ricks right out of the gate already. Uh, you're right. Getting these, these lessons learned right now, it's only going to bode well for the future because they're going to have to make some tough decisions at corner. They're going to have to replace Slay and Bradbury at some point in time, in the next two to three years. Getting this experience with Rick's now is only going to bode well going further, but you know, it's interesting that they, to me, and I know that the person that pointed out too, I mean, they don't even want to see Ringo on the field at all, <laughs> given all the issues that they have at corner.
1: Yeah. I mean, listen, Ringo is doing a great job on special teams. You know, he's doing a fantastic job as a gunner. I mean, the Eagles haven't given up a whole lot of big plays in the return game. I know, you know, uh, Turpin hit a few uh, for the Cowboys on the kickoff. But, you know, to me, Ringo's doing a nice job and he's got such a big body. You'd think that maybe safety is more of his future. Of course, you know, we've said that about so many guys for the Eagles, Jalen Mills and Rasul Douglas, and it never happens. So I think they're training him at corner. They're cross training him at safety from time to time. But. Yeah, I, at some point, you know, he'll have to play a role and I, and I think he will. I mean, I think he's going to be okay. I mean, he's he's got the pedigree, he's a young kid, just turned 21 not that long ago. Uh, you know, they're just taking it slow with him. Like you say, you don't want to destroy the kid's confidence. We saw in the summer the struggles that he had, so there is a a long way for him to come from what we saw in the summer. And, you know, that's what they're doing. They're just being patient with him. Uh, and I expect him to have a role, uh, you know, as his career develops at some point. Let's keep won't, the... it. won't be this year. I don't. It, I'm pretty sure it won't be this year. But definitely not this year. No. They already showed that. They yeah. showed
0: that they've had multiple opportunities to put him on the field, and they opted not to, and they did for a reason. And hopefully, it's a good reason. We'll find out because you're right. We always say this about everybody, but I really did think that in the draft. I thought Keely Ringo was a safety. We'll yeah. see if that ends up being his future there. And if not, I mean, if, if so, that's a good thing. But I know we always said that with Russell Douglas, we always said that with Jalen Mills, but. You know, Sean Desai is a guy that he looks like he wants his guys to play multiple positions at least, or at least have that versatility to be a safety and a nickel in case he needs. So, why cannot fit Keely Ringo into that conversation as well? I I, I kind of like it. I do like that career path for him. Yeah. And since we're focusing on rookies, let's let's end it with talking about Tyler Steen and his first career start. I mean, I know that wasn't what we expected. I know you were informed on different information on that as well. It looks like you know he made the start over Suo Opetta, but. I thought he played very well, and
1: he had that fumble recovery that was huge. That would have lost him the game if he didn't get it. That was the best play he made all game, in my opinion. I mean, he did some nice things in the block game, you know, still a work in progress, but the Eagles like him, and he's probably going to be the guy next year. You know, I don't think he's unseated Cam Jurgens. I think when Jurgens comes back, it's Jurgens' job. Um, but next year, I think Steen's going to be your starter at right guard when Jurgens, if Jason Kelsey retires, and who knows if he will. I mean, Kelsey's still playing really, really well. Um, but you see him kind of branching out and doing other things. He was on the Thursday night telecast, you know, he could certainly be a factor in the in, you know, in the announcers booth um because of his insight and his, you know, his intelligence. So if he doesn't if he doesn't come back, then that's Jurgen's job. And I think Steen's your right guard. So it was good to get hit that his feet wet in a huge game, you know, against an NFC East rival. Again, it's like the secondary with some of these rookies, Ricks and Sidney Brown and you know uh who whoever else has been out there uh, on that secondary you're getting this baptism under fire and that's what steen got on sunday and that's only going to serve him well going forward
0: yeah the, you know it's funny the 2023 eagles team is leaning a lot on their rookies
1: yeah See? yeah I, I wrote about that i mean i it's it, there's not every 8 and 1 record's created equal last year the eagles won 8 and 1 and they were leaning on veteran guys more or less no their rookie class was not It was kind of a redshirt year. You know, Jordan Davis had a role early, but then got hurt, came back, and Joseph and Sue were already on the team. So he didn't have much of a chance to show what he could do, you know, later in the season. Uh, Reed Blankenship had the most snaps, the undrafted free agent. He played more snaps than any rookie. But, yeah, it was – and this year's 8-1 and is a lot of rookies. They're really leaning. You know, Jalen Carter, to me, is the front runner for the MVP, the defensive MVP. Whether or not he gets it, we'll see but he's having a fantastic career. You'd like to see Nolan Smith's role maybe uh, increase a little bit more, uh, you know, hasn't developed. Um, they're very deep on the outside and Josh Sweat and, and Hassan Redick, you know, how do you unseat those guys? So, uh, but, you know, Steen, Brown, uh, those are your guys that are getting these reps and Ringo on special teams, you know, obviously McKee, the quarterback's not going to play and Ajomo hasn't had much of a role at defensive tackle, but yeah, they're getting a lot of, uh, ex- uh, help from this rookie class, and of course Eli Ricks, the undrafted free agent.
0: That's what I'm saying. I mean, the the this team has leaned on the most this season their 2022 class of rookies and their 2023 class of rookies, and it's actually phenomenal if you really think about it. Because this is not what the Eagles used to do, especially under Doug Peterson. This was they would gradually bring these guys along. Now it's a shift of we need to influx our youth with our aging veterans instead of relying on the veterans because. I think it's smart football. It's smart football long-term, but it's also smart for keeping your veterans upright and not getting hurt.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it bodes well for the long-term future. And then they have more draft cap- capital next year to even add to it. So, you know, this, like I said, I think I've said it before, uh, you know, here on Eagles Unfiltered that, uh, these are kind of the halcyon days of the Eagles. You know, these are the some of the best years that we've seen from the Eagles, maybe in their history. Obviously, the Andy Reid era was fantastic, won a lot of games, couldn't quite get over the hump. But, you know, these last couple seasons under Nick Sirianni have just been, you know, really terrific. I mean, eight, two 8-1 eight starts, I mean, not doesn't happen very often in the NFL, back-to-back We're,
0: we're back in the Andy Reid era. Nick Sirianni is Andy Reid. I know Doug Peterson was Doug Peterson. He was not Andy Reid. He was his right. own coach. Everything he did was different, but we're back in, we're in the loud mouth Andy Reid era again, because <laughs> Andy Reid was not loud mouthed. He wasn't as bold as Nick Sirianni is, but we, we we're we back. No, we're there. We're 100% there again, because Andy Reid started off. I mean, he started off worse than Nick Sirianni started off, but this is it. This is the Andy Reid era again. The Eagles are back in there now, and they're only going to continue to get better going forward with the draft picks that they have and the way that they lean on their youth as is. But to end the show real quick, Ed, ahead. It is insane. Jalen Carter's having the best rookie season of any Eagles rookie ever. Ever. I'm willing to say that. I'm 100% willing to say that because Mondo Wyatt, he's playing like the best defensive tackle in the NFL, and he's a rookie.
1: Yeah, he's fun to watch. There's no doubt. He's, he's fast. He's explosive. He's quick off the ball. He's generational. Yeah, he really is. And he's only, you know, you, you would think he's only going to get better. I mean, once he gets even more, you know, experience – more practice time. He's only going to improve. And, uh, you know, I I really like watching him. And I said going into the season that to me, I want to watch Jalen Carter this season. He's going to be the best part of the season for me to watch. And that's true. I mean, I love watching what A.J. Brown does on offense. And Jalen Hurts is just terrific. You always like to watch him play. But uh, what Jalen Carter is able to do has just been tremendous. And it's been really, really fun to watch.
0: It's unprecedented what he's been able to do. He's a rookie. And nobody talks about him like he's a rookie. Right. I, I want Philadelphia to really soak that in. None of you fans out there are talking about Jalen Carter like he's a rookie player. Can you believe that? Like, soak that in. Yeah. When does that ever happen with the Eagles, where we talk about one of the rookies as like he's already the best player at his position in the NFL? It was so funny. We're all, we're all talking this offseason how we're going to miss Javon Hargrave. No, we don't. I I have not heard his name mentioned once this year from the Eagles fan base of, man, we really could use Hargrave right now. Nobody says that. Mm. I don't know why because Jalen Carter's playing generational football and he's a rookie.
1: And you know, something else he's doing, he's making Fletcher Cox better, in my opinion. Fletcher Cox is having a really good year. Uh, and everybody thought, well, Fletch, this is Fletch's last year. I'm not so sure of that. I think Fletch is inspired by these young guys. Uh, he likes what he sees. He he's being energized by watching Jalen Carter, Milton Williams, Jordan Davis. I mean, Jordan he's Davis, brilliant. really. Yeah, I mean, he's enjoying this, and they're pushing him, and he's being energized by it. So, you know, that's another underrated part of this is Fletcher Cox is kind of feeding off this youth, Carter, Davis, Milton Williams. And I don't think we've seen the last of them in an Eagles uniform after this season. Neither do I.
0: He's still playing the top-level football, and if he plays top-level football, how he's going to want to bring back his guy. That's how it works. And you're right. I Jalen Carter makes everyone on that defense better. And he's a rookie. It's just insane. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if Jordan Davis is having the production he's having this year if the Eagles don't make the pick of Jalen Carter. I don't I truthfully don't. That's how that's how that's the impact he has already on this defensive line. Where a defensive line that was stacked as is without him, one of the best in the league. He comes into it and makes it 10 times better than it already is by just being himself Mm -hmm. as a rookie. Like this, this this is this is does not happen, folks. Please soak this in. Please take this to the bank. Please have a smile on your face after you listen to this episode thinking about this because I'm telling you I am right now. <laughs> they This does not happen in the NFL where you have a rookie defensive player, especially a defensive tackle. I need to stress that the most. Especially a defensive tackle make this quick of an impact at this stage of their career. It doesn't happen. It never happens. So thank you, Joan Carter, for being Joan Carter. Thank you for Mickey Loomis and the New Orleans Saints for allowing Howie Roseman to have the opportunity to draft Joan Carter. Thank you to the Chicago Bears for making that draft day trade so that the Eagles can secure. Jalen Carter, you guys are the best. We love you for it. And that's going to do it for us, guys. We will see you early next week. We'll talk about this upcoming matchup with the Kansas City Chiefs, the Super Bowl 57 rematch, and we'll dive deeper into the season. Thank you guys for tuning in and sticking with us. We'll see you all soon. Thank you for listening to Believe.